everyone, and welcome to Farm Bureau on the Hill. I'm Amy Beckham, and joining me for our public policy update this week is Shelby Vinoy. Shelby, welcome to the podcast. You've had a very busy week. As many people know, this was the week that all the bills in the legislature had to be filed. So tell us a little bit about what happened, and let's just jump right in. Yeah, thanks, Amy. It is... uh Probably second to the budget being passed, one of the most stressful weeks in Nashville. You see legislative assistance, and I remember, I think I still have a little bit of the trauma embedded in me as a former legislative assistant of running around with those bill jackets, trying to get sponsors and get everything in by the close of business. And um, we have made it. We've survived. If you're listening to this, we've lived to tell the tale of bill filing deadline week. Wednesday was the bill filing deadline in the House, and at the close of business last night, uh, of course, we're recording this on Thursday for folks who may not be listening the day it comes out. Um, There's just over 1,300 bills filed in the House at last count, and then, of course, today, which is Thursday, is the Senate bill filing deadline, which I'm not really sure why they do that on different days. I guess it's just they each chamber wants to be different than the other for whatever reason, but... That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is track. But we should know more tonight as far as what companion actually gets filed in the Senate. Because just because it's filed in the House, if the Senate doesn't file the companion to that, then it can't move in the House. So although there were over 1,300 bills filed in the House, there may not be 1,300 bills that we're working with this session. And that 1,300 is added to over the 1,500 that were filed in 2023 because this is part two to the General Assembly. So in total, um, we're working with almost 3,000 bills that are, if they've not passed and they've not been killed in committee, they're lurking out there in the darkness. So uh, level of stress is at an all-time high. (laughs) So this might be a dumb question, but do you know how many like you're actually working with? Like how many of those that were filed last year are finished or killed? If not, that's okay. That's a good question. So I would say... Probably close to 500-ish of them. Carried over. Either, well, either passed or met their match in the committee. Or I would say of that, we're probably dealing with about 1,000 that have rolled over. So that's significant Mm -hmm. when you think about how many you dealt with this time last year and how many you're dealing with now. I didn't realize completely. It definitely makes... So we have internally a, a tracking system that we use that allows us to read the caption of the bill and check any updates. And we can pull that report weekly. And last session, you know, when we're in mid-March and the calendar is 70-something pages long, that track list is not nearly as overwhelming. But this time, because unbeknownst to us, a bill that we thought we had dealt with last year can show back up on a calendar this year, it definitely makes tracking a lot heavier than it was last year. That makes sense. Bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for entertaining that for me for a minute. But for for those back home, um, back to bill filing deadline, what does this actually mean? So I like to think of bill filing deadline as when they officially kind of drop the gate on session. That up until this point, so much of what we've done on the floor and in committee is... The rollover things from last year that maybe it was rolled to the first calendar of 2024, we've dealt with those things and we've done the ceremonial type things. We've heard lots of presentations in committee where chairmen are just kind of anxiously waiting to actually get going on the calendar. So now that we're looking post bill filing deadline, this is when the real fun begins on a more 
maybe pessimistic note with one deadline means there are more deadlines. So because now we kind of know what's out there on the playing field, this means that the clock starts ticking for committees. And we know that in the Senate, I think Senate Commerce has already said that their calendar, they plan to hear or start hearing their last calendar the second week of March. Um, The Senate Ag Committee is also, it's always one of the first ones to close. So with that deadline comes more deadlines. And with those, when those committees start setting deadlines, they'll also start picking up the pace on what their calendars look like. So yeah, the real fun is most definitely going to begin now, (laughs) Um, which means that next week is probably going to be a little bit busier for you. I think inevitably the week after bill filing is busy, both with committees, uh, the House Finance Committee um, starts their budget hearings next week, which they kind of prolong throughout the next few months. So we'll hear from various departments and agencies about their budgets. And then, of course, we have the state of the state as well. So between committees, budget hearings, hearing from Governor Lee, I think next week's going to be a full one. Before we move on to talk a little bit about state of the state, in terms of those folks listening that are curious about our priority issues, we did go into detail about all four of them last week on that podcast. So definitely go check that out if you haven't listened and want to learn more. But for those folks that are nerds like you, yep, they, <laughs> they can also check the alert for those specific numbers, right? Yep. And they're linked to the Capitol website. So if you click on the bill number, hopefully anywhere throughout the alert that you see a bill number, you should be able to click on it and it'll take you to the capital.tn.gov website and you can read the actual bill, look up any of the fiscal note information, the summary, as well as watch video of when that bill is presented in committee. So if you are a super nerd like me, make sure you're (laughs) clicking on the bill numbers. Very good. So state of the state, it's Monday. Um, We've been sharing with our folks how they can watch. The governor's office is streaming the whole thing, but anything in particular we need to be listening for. Last week we talked about how there is a administration bill from Governor Lee, obviously, that has to do with farmland conservation, that he's kind of, although it wasn't a a formal announcement, the bill's in the system, so in a way, he's announced his plan for a farmland preservation program. We're hoping we get more information about that. Bonus points, if he will, you know, obviously, I don't write the script for Governor Lee, but if I was, I would definitely make sure to add something in there about how precious farmland is in our state, and it's our number one industry. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we'll have a really good soundbite, Amy, for y'all to use and and share on our social media. But the state of the state, it's not a, obviously he doesn't cover every single thing. So the state of the state is usually when those big ticket items are announced. Last year, this is where he announced his $3.3 billion plan for transportation. I'm sure this year there'll be lots of conversation about his education plan. So this is when the things that are lots of millions and billion dollar projects get unveiled. So I would definitely expect that we'll hear some of those things and hopefully be able to kind of know what we're, what we're looking at. And he'll, he will go over the big ticket items, but then there will be a huge document yep. that's released that goes into way more details. And I assume we'll probably share that maybe parts of that we next can. week. We stalk the Department of Finance <laughs> and Administration's website and the Department of Revenue's website uh, all day Monday just waiting because they do link that book online. So we'll make that available in next week's alert. Um, but if you're old school like me and you still like looking at the the big book, there's this big, thick book um, and it floats around the 
hallways of the legislature. So we'll be hunting for that book on Monday, but that's where you find a lot of that information um, about what exactly he's proposed. Very good. So after that wraps up, once the state of the state is done, what does this mean for the legislature? So once Governor Lee has the opportunity to talk about all of his priorities, we'll start seeing the bills that correlate with those things in committee. So I mentioned earlier, the farmland preservation program is an admin bill. An admin bill is something that it has to be filed by a legislator, but it is one of Governor Lee's priorities. So we typically don't see those until after the state of the state because he wants his opportunity to talk about why he's doing that. So I would say typically the first two weeks after the state of the state, those start showing up on committee calendars. Those bills that have funding tied to them, that that funding is allocated through the governor's budget, those will start moving. You'll hear lots of that in in the finance committee. And then uh, with Governor Lee's budget comes each departmental budget. So next week we'll hear from the folks at finance and administration. They're going to meet with both the House and Senate finance committees and kind of break down everything that the governor said. They'll have a beautiful PowerPoint that has everything laid out and, and those big projects, and they'll, that'll be an opportunity to ask questions. So hopefully, if I can remember, y'all at home help me remember, yeah. um, to link those presentations. So we'll start hearing that, and then each, each department gets the opportunity to exclusively talk about their budget. In the House, they do it all to the Finance Committee, and then in the Senate, they do it to the committee which best relates to them. So, for example, the Department of Agriculture and Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency and TDEC and the Department of Tourist Development, I'm sorry, TDEC, Department of Environment and Conservation, those four all present to the Senate Energy, Agriculture, and Natural Resources because pretty much everything they do relates to one of those things, energy, ag, natural resources. So we'll get to see exactly what each department's priorities are and what they plan to do with the money that Governor Lee has allocated for them as well. Sounds like a lot to be watching for, but moving into next week, um, anything in particular that our folks need to be aware of? So aside from everything I just said with budget, (laughs) there are actual actual bills that we're watching. Um, So in the House Agriculture Committee, both the sub and the full committee, there's a few bills we're watching. Um, But first and foremost, I'm super excited to hear from UT's Institute of Agriculture um, senior leader, Dr. Carver. He's going to be presenting in the House Ag Full Committee he always does such a wonderful job. Looking forward to hearing from him and seeing what all they're doing at UTIA. So excited to have him there. Is this technically his first time presenting? He spoke last year. I think we hosted him at Ag Day, but I don't know that he's ever brought a package from UTIA or or some sort of greeting from UTIA. So super excited to see him. Well wishes, Dr. Carver. We're excited to hear you. But as far as bills, there's two bills in Ag Sub, one of which this is the third week we've talked about it, and it has to deal with wetlands. Post the Sackett versus EPA decision, states have kind of been left with a, I wouldn't say a gray area necessarily, but we're just in a a different position now that we kind of know how the feds are handling things. So Um, Farm Bureau has been involved with some of the conversations happening in the business community. And and our biggest thing that we're watching for is protecting those agricultural exemptions that we have. If you've been in a conversation with Kevin and I in the last few weeks, we've probably mentioned that 120G exemption. All that is is just where agriculture is is exempt. 
Um, so trying to maintain that and then just providing clarity for the rest of the industry. So we're happy to be at the table, a part of those conversations. The other thing is a topic that's kind of one of those that's rolled over from last year. Representative Scott Sapicki has a bill that provides clarity and guidance on how we navigate something that is still very early in the research and development phase, but it has to do with using food as a vehicle to transmit vaccine technology. So I'll give a good example of that. There's, there's research happening right now to where you can take a banana and transmit hepatitis B vaccines through a banana. And the purpose of that would be to be able to send, it's easier to send a bushel of bananas to a third world country versus trying to get vials upon vials and needles and those type of things to a third world country in South Africa. So that research is being done, but with that new research kind of comes some confusion about, okay, it is a food product, but it is also a vaccine. So how do we regulate that? And there's been discussion on the federal level for that, but our state health department does a really good job corresponding with our, with our department of ag on how to navigate those situations. So what this language does is explicitly says that if there is a food out there that its sole purpose is to deliver a vaccine. So for example, UC Berkeley has done research about transmitting vaccines and heads of lettuce. If that ever does come to market, not saying it's out there now, but if it does come to market, that would be regulated as a drug, not a food item. So the example we've been giving to folks this week is uh, close your eyes and picture your local Kroger, your local grocery store. You would go right to go to the pharmacy, not left to go to the produce section. We want to try to create some, while keeping consumer confidence in their food supply, just create some some barriers about what is the difference in a food and a drug. Drugs are regulated a certain way. Food is regulated a certain way. Let's, let's not mix the two. So um, we're super thankful. He had a bill last year that we weren't in a position that we had policy to support it. Um, so because he is he is our representative right here in, in the county where our headquarters is at. So he gave us an opportunity to have our policy development process and have those conversations. So now we have explicit policy that supports that vaccines um, are regulated as, as just that. So we are supportive of that. And I will take this opportunity to note that there's a lot of other legislation out there about vaccine technology, rather uh, most of which has to do with livestock vaccines. A lot of these bills are still in their caption form. So if you see them on the website or if you're looking around somewhere or someone starts quoting a bill to you, it could be that that's a caption. And we've talked about this before, but that is basically a placeholder. That language very well could not be what's actually presented in committee. So we're kind of in a holding pattern on some of those things, but we are still in a position where we are absolutely adamantly opposed to any type of legislation which would impact our livestock owners ability to effectively treat the health of their stock. So rather that's limits on what can and cannot be used, any, any sort of induced labeling on the state level. Um, our policy remains unchanged on that, that we still oppose, but representative Sapicki don't confuse his legislation with this other legislation. We are supportive of what he's trying to do. So outside of agriculture, is there anything else that um, we need to be aware of? One thing I'm excited about next week, too, is in the House and Senate Education Committees. We don't get to, we monitor a lot of stuff in education, but we don't get to lobby them on a lot of things. Um, our, make sure they don't do bad things. For sure. We do <laughs> definitely, we oversee what they do, but we don't try to meddle in what they do. But our coworker, Dan Strasser, um, if you've involved in Farm Bureau Women, Young 
farmers and ranchers, ag in the classroom, you've seen Dan. Um, he has been nominated by Governor Lee to serve on the UT Martin uh, Advisory Board. So we have been working the House and Senate Education Committees, almost said ag, it's force of habit, <laughs> making sure they know what a great guy he is and then that he, you know, is long, long employee of Farm Bureau, devoted agriculture, UTM. So excited to see his confirmation hearing, have him up on the hill with us Wednesday and watch that take place. Aside from both ag and ed, there is some legislation and property and planning we're watching that uh, the comptroller's office has brought forth about the reappraisal cycle of property. Currently, counties can reappraise their property on a four to six year basis. So depending on your county, you may not be appraised except for every six years. Um, because of how much we've grown in Tennessee and how property values have changed exponentially, they can change a lot, especially if you've if you're only appraised every six years. So they're um, considering a more frequent reappraisal cycle. So that's in property and planning. If you're on our resolutions committee or we're a voting delegate, you probably heard about it at some point last November, December. So uh, looking forward to monitoring that legislation. We've had some really good meetings with them. So that'll be up in committee this week too. I think he, uh, the comptroller, when he came to our convention in December, he mentioned that, that it was going to be right, a priority. So if you were at our convention, mm-hmm. um, you might have heard that as well. It might sound familiar to you. So it is February, um, which is hard to believe that we've already gotten a month um, wow. out of 2024. <laughs> but it is February, um, and that means things are going to start rolling. means next month is March, which means legislative visits, Ag Day. Anything additional that our folks need to know about with those events? Uh, well, you have a baby. Correct. I, just, um, I cannot <laughs> remind folks enough about that. Um, but just getting ready for legislative visits. No um, news regarding that yet that I'm aware of, other than if your county has not signed up, please do that. It's very helpful for us planning if we know who's coming when. Um, and, of course, Ag Day is March 19th, best day ever. Um, we are still very much in the active planning process of that and looking forward to hosting another great year celebrating agriculture. Very good. Well, thanks for that great update, Shelby. We will continue to hound on legislative visits and Ag Day throughout the rest of this month and leading up to March just to make sure that y'all are aware and, you know, a reminder always helps me. So thanks again, Shelby, for that update. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Again, if you want to hear about our priority issues, tune in to last week's episode. And we look forward to giving you another update next week after the State of the State and all the fun things that will happen next week. Thanks.